Revival is one of the most important parts of the Christian life. What can we do to ensure we have godly revival in our lives? In this message, learn from God's Word as Canyon Ridge prepares for its 20th anniversary revival. Psalm 95, verse number 1. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hands are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his and he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice. Harden not your hearts as in the provocation and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation and said, it is a people that do err in their heart, and they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. Now, this is one of those psalms we don't know a lot about, just to be honest with you. Normally, I said this in men's prayer. Nor, sometimes people say that, and that's just because they haven't studied. There, there really isn't a lot known about this particular psalm. We believe that it was written for the Feast of the Tabernacles, which was a joyful event as the people looked back on their ancestors' wilderness wandering through the, the children of Israel were looking back at what God had done when he brought the nation out of Egypt and into the promised land. And they looked at the bountiful harvest. And, and it's, it's conjectured that this psalm was written for the feast after the exiles returned to Judah from Babylon. Whatever the case is, and again, normally I like to give you great clarity as to the, the historicity of why, some, why this passage was written. Whatever the case may be, what we know with certainty is that it is a call to praise the Lord. We know that with certainty. And it's a day that they remembered and that they were reminded of. I like to think back of some of the pivotal decisions and important days in my life. I was thinking of some this week, knowing that I'd be preaching today. And I remember the day I accepted Christ as my savior. I repented of my sin and, and trusted Christ as a 10-year-old kid in Port Orchard, Washington, uh, June 16th, 1983. I can still tell you my dad prayed with me on the left side, front pew of the left side of the auditorium and he was wearing a blue kind of checkered 70s, uh, 80, early 80s suit. It was three pieces, 100% polyester, gigantic lapels. I got lost in his lapels one time. They had to call the cops to find me. I mean, those were big lapels and big bell bottoms. He, he had a small fleet of foxes or something living up there. It's huge. I remember that day like it was yesterday. I, sur I remember the day I surrendered my life to be a pastor. October 8th, I think it was 1993. I remember where I was on the campus of Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College. I, I remember that day. I remember the day I asked Debbie on our first date. 
My joke was going to be, I remember the day Debbie asked me on our first date, but you better laugh or we're going to be here a long time. (laughs) I remember the day we got married. I remember the day Debbie told me that she was pregnant with Judith. It was the most unexpected and fearful day of my entire life. And then Judith was born, and I remember that day, and then Judith became a teenager, and I dreaded that day, and she moved to Hawaii, and I dreaded that day, and I remember those days. I remember the day she told me she was pregnant, and that child became Natalie. I remember that day. I remember the day the Detroit Pistons beat the Lakers for the first time in the NBA Finals. That was a great day if you're a Laker fan here, (laughs) I remember the day I was hired to work at a church in San Dimas, California, the day Debbie, Judith, and I moved to Texas to begin our youth ministry there. And I remember the day God called me to San Diego. By the way, not much has changed. Judith, Natalie, and Debbie have all gotten a little older, and you can tell the years, but not much has changed. I got new glasses, that's about it. In truth, if you told me 20 years ago that God was going to do what he's done, I would have never imagined it. Some of you don't know the story of Canyon Ridge, so um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about it by way of introduction to this passage of Scripture, and we're going to jump in and study this passage. Debbie and I had served the Lord at the Central Baptist Church in Amarillo, Texas for five years, 11 months, and three weeks. Not that I was counting. But we served the Lord there and we had a great time and God had blessed us with a fruitful youth ministry. And, and we felt God's call in December of 20, uh, 2001 to come to San Diego and to start a church. We didn't know the name of it, didn't know where we'd live, we didn't know what part of the city we would be in, we didn't know anything. We just knew God had called us and so we saved every dollar we had, literally every dollar we had to start this church. We sold our house, and that was before. Some of you have lived a short period of your life in what we would call an explosive real estate market. Or like if you buy a house three years later, the the, the price has doubled. Well, it hasn't always been that way, and it won't always be that way, I might add. But we bought a house, and four years later, we sold it, and we made a grand total of $500. It was great. We took those $500 and we put them in the bank. We sold some furniture. We put that in the bank. We got some special offerings for speaking at churches. They would give us what are called love offerings. And we took those and we put them in the bank. We took all the money we could get and we put all of them in the bank. Every single thing that we could afford to do, we sold it. I had a business uh, and we were completely, we were 100% debt free and we had saved about $20,000 and with $20,000 we left the great state of Texas and we moved to America's second most expensive city because we had 20 grand. We had never had 20 grand in our life. We had no idea what to do with all of that money. When we moved, we had about 20 churches who committed to partner with us financially uh, and in prayer. And we had raised what is called support. We had raised about $1,800 a month to come in. That was what was promised, to come in. Our home church gave 1000 and then nine other churches totaled about $800 a month. We didn't know a single person when we left Texas that was going to come to our church. We didn't know a single person that was going to help us when we uh, moved here. Uh, there wasn't anyone, to be honest with you. I had one friend, 
He goes to a ministry trip with us named Brian Patton. And Brian served at a church in the area. And he said, hey, you can park your, your uh, Hertz Penske rental truck in front of my house. And you and Debbie can sleep at our house and, and the girls until you find a place to rent. We'll help you unload. Uh, but I'm not coming to your church. I'm not going to help you. I'm in ministry at another church. And I totally understood that. Uh, that church isn't around anymore. But, but Brian said, hey, I'm, I'll help you get unloaded. But then you're on your own. And so we knew without any doubt that we had very little money. We we had no people coming and we had no place to live. So we arrived on a Thursday, late Thursday. Uh, I'm sorry, we arrived on a Friday, late Friday, parked the truck, um, got situated in their house. And early Saturday morning, we started driving around looking for a place to rent. And we rented on that Saturday that rather old and in some ways unkept house on Gramercy Drive. And we rented it for $1,700 a month. It was the cheapest house we could find in the area. And we had $1,800 a month coming in. We had a whole $100 a month to do do whatever we wanted to, like buy food, gas, electricity. It didn't matter. We had $100 to spend. It was awesome. This is not what you get at the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University, I'll tell you that. We moved in that first week. Debbie and I unpacked the house and it took six days to do that from Monday through Sunday, obviously going to church and stuff like that. Just we'd find places to go to church and we went there. On that next Monday morning, I started looking for a place to have our first service. I started at 10 o'clock. Really, I left the house at 9.30, and I showed up at the first place at 10 o'clock because I thought, nobody wants me to show up at 9 o'clock as soon as they get there asking to rent a place. So I figured I'd give them an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening. So 10 to 4, I went, and I was told no every place I went on Monday. I came home. Debbie goes, hey, how'd it go? I said, oh, man, it was great. Had like 12 people tell me no. He goes, how you doing? I said, fine, feels like high school dating. I'm good. Very next day, Tuesday morning, I went out, same thing, 10 to 4. And I came back, how is it? Yeah, I was told no. Next day, Wednesday, 10 to 4, went out, was told no. I'm calling realtors. I'm being told no because it's the beginning, 2002, if you remember, it was the beginning of a huge real estate boom here in San Diego. Those of you that have been around a while, it's when houses went from like 150 to 275 in about a month and a half. That's when God brought us here. It was the best timing ever. And so rent to a church or we could destroy, you know, uh, raise this property and build condos. Yeah, we lost out every time. So Wednesday, nothing happened. Thursday, nothing happened. Friday, nothing happened. I went into Debbie and, and she said, hey, after Friday, how'd it go? Oh man, babe, nobody, nobody accepted it. But two people were nice to me and a few people shut the door in my face. So we're good. Next Monday, I went out. The next Tuesday, I went out. The next Wednesday, I went out. And I had looked by that Wednesday at 50 different, 50 plus different properties, and I'd been told no 50 plus different times. I can remember leaving wherever I was. I was at a, a hotel over on Arrow Drive, and I remember leaving there. They told me, um, well, they said I could rent a place, but they said the nursery would have to be in a hotel room, and I, I just thought that'd be creepy. Drop your kids off in room 409 or whatever. That's just weird. So it's like, yeah, no, I'm not going to be able to do that. And they said the price of it was going to be 3000 a week. And I just, I told them I'd have to check with my board. I'm like, Debbie, we can't afford it, can we? No, okay, yeah, no. Uh, we had like very little money by then. And then I left that hotel, and it's on the corner of Kearney Villa and Arrow Drive. 
And I just kind of got overwhelmed. God, you moved me and my family here from Texas to start a church and to share the gospel. And we were sharing the gospel every chance we could. You moved us here to share the gospel. You didn't move us here for me to look for property. God, I need a place to rent. And I was bawling. I was bawling. There's a new National University property on that corner. It, it used to be a different college and there were some other businesses that were there. And I just sat there for I don't know how long and I just wept asking God, like, like, did you bring me here for this? And if you did, that's fine. But I thought you wanted us to like reach people with the gospel. I mean, I mean to tell you, I left that place encouraged. The Lord encouraged my heart. Chris, I've got something for you. You just have to keep going and be faithful. So this is what I thought because I read missionary stories and missionary books of faith. And like when they come to that crisis point, every preacher is kind of like a Hallmark movie. You start out excited. You're moving forward. You think you're about to get married and the good things are about to come. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, there becomes a major crisis. That was my crisis point. And so I thought the crisis point had happened, but now the Lord is going to provide something for us and we're going to have it. So I left that place and I went to the very next place and I thought, this has got to be the place, place 51 or whatever the number was. And I went in there and I was told no. And I went to the next place and I was told no. And I went to the next place and I was told no. And I went to 19 more places and I was told no. I remember the day I showed up at the Sarah Mesa Rec Center over in Sarah Mesa. I walked in and I said, hey, my name's Chris Chadwick. I'm, a, I'm starting a church. I'm with Canyon Ridge Baptist Church. And, and by that point, we had a bank account, so I didn't feel like I was lying. I'm with Canyon Ridge Baptist Church, and we're looking for a place to host our first service. Can I please rent your meeting room? And this is what the guy said. I'll never forget it. He goes, oh, pastor, our room is too small for you. And I, I didn't say this to him because I was just going to play it off, but I literally looked at him and I said, oh, okay, let me see it. Man, that room would have said 100 people. At that time, our church was three people and two of them, me, Debbie, and the two girls, so four people, and, the, and two of them, Debbie or, or Judith and Natalie, had to come because we required them to. It was compulsory. We were a church of four you had a room big enough for four people, but dude was not having it. And so I said, okay. He goes, and we're closed on Sundays. He said, but have you tried the Kearney Mesa Rec Center? I said, well, of course I tried the Kearney Mesa Rec Center. It's the biggest one in the area. I was there last week. It was like my third place to check. I said, but they have two churches already meeting there. One at such and such time on Sunday morning and one at one, such and such time on Sunday afternoon. He goes, yeah, this is what he said. He goes, it's the weirdest thing. They both severed their lease, month-to-month lease, with the city yesterday about 5 o'clock. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, well, I'll have to talk to somebody and see if we're even interested. I said, can I borrow your phone? He handed me his phone. You say, weren't there cell phones? Not when you only have $20,000, they weren't. So I said, can I borrow your phone? He let me have his phone and I grabbed his phone. I said, what's the number? He told me the number and I called him and this lady named Diane, she answered the phone. I said, hi, my name is Chris Chadwick. I'm from Canyon Ridge Baptist Church and I hear you have some space available for churches. She said, yep, we just had two churches leave last night. I said, well, would you hold it for me and I'll come rent it as soon as I possibly can. She said, sir, you don't understand. This is first come, first serve. And she was a bureaucrat, so she had no personality. 
Those of you that work for the city of San Diego, I thank God for you, but you know what I'm talking about. Like, these are the rules. And so she said, it's first come, first serve. And I'll never forget what she said, Bernie, after that. She said, if somebody beats you here, I'm renting it to them first. I prayed God's judgment on her life and hung up the phone. I really didn't. I said, all right, I'm coming there right now. I put the phone down, thanked the dude at Sarah Mesa Rec, ran out to a truck that my friend Brian was letting me borrow because we, we had one pink Ford Escort station wagon. And yeah, pink, I didn't accidentally say that. Pink is in fuchsia. I mean, it was, it was great during certain weekends of the year. Everybody waved. <laughs> long story, (sighs) jumped in that Mazda van, tore out of the parking lot under the speed limit in Montana (sighs) and made my way to the Kearney Mesa Rec Center as fast as I could. And this is what I determined. If somebody else is walking up to that office to rent it, I'm tackling them. It's first come, first serve. I'm 30 years old. I was, I, was, I was a little smaller. I was 225 pounds then. I thought, I will straight up tackle anyone in my way. I ran into that office and I got in and said, are you Diane? And Diane was this really nice lady. She's about four foot eight. And she said, who are you? I said, I'm the nice guy that called that wants to rent your property, your, your building. She said, oh, well, nobody beat you here. That's a good thing. And so she showed me the inside. I think we have an inside of it. Uh, it, it was 1,200 square feet. It was, it was just like that. It was dirty. It was filthy. I, I walked in. I said, I'll take it. She goes, don't you want to see anything else? This is what I thought. This is all God gave us. This is what he's given us. I said, I don't really need to see anything else. She said, well, let me show you around. I said, listen, Diane, I want to sign a contract before you give it to anybody else. She said, well, as long as I'm talking to you, nobody else can sign a contract. I said, okay, under that condition. So she said, if you rent this room, I'll throw in the kitchen for free. You can have your nursery in here. You ever been to a church where they had the church nursery in a kitchen? We kept the babies warm because we care. I pull it out like, oh, is that a rack? No, we call that a bassinet around here. <laughs> Smell like gas. Kids left the nursery asleep. I mean, they were just it's like, I don't know what happened to my kid today, but man, they're so relaxed at church. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. It was almost as good as when we met next to that pot dispensary. And um, um <laughs> I had a follow-up joke to that, but I'm told I try to be too funny at times, so I'm moving on because my mom is watching. And uh, um, so we, we met there. We had our first service November 17th, 2002. We had 63 people, 43 people from the community. I had knocked on, talked to, and invited people at over 5,000 different doors. I was out 12 hours a day, six days a week, for five weeks, meeting people, getting them to come to Canyon Ridge. Today, we don't celebrate any of that. Well, what do we celebrate? We celebrate the work that God has done in San Diego. That's what we celebrate. And our text reminds us of that in verse number one. 
Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise unto the rock of our salvation. We see a call to celebrate the salvation of God. And it starts off with a call to sing. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. The word sing there is a song of joy in response to joy. It just means sing. Now, it's not a sad song. It's not like another sad love song, just missing my baby. It's not that kind of song. This is a song of joy. That's why he says, sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise. Now, let's not be dismissive of this. There are times in the Bible where we sing songs of sorrow. We, We sang one earlier, times of sorrow. There are sorrows in this world, but this song, the feast, if it it was the Feast of the Tabernacles, is a a song of celebration. It's a song of joy. It's a, the word make a joyful noise literally means a shout of joy in response to God delivering his people. It's not just a phrase. No, it's a joyful song. Psalm chapter five, verse number 11 says, but let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them shout even for joy because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. This is really Psalm chapter 511 uh, is the first time that singing is really referred to in the Psalms and singing is a natural way to praise the Lord. There are over 70 references to singing in the Psalms. The Bible commands us to sing and it says, let's sing a joyful noise unto the Lord and note this, that he is the rock of our salvation. There's not just a call to sing, there's a cause for singing. And what's the cause for singing? That God is the rock of our salvation. He is the provision of security by delivering his people. Here, it's going to talk about deliverance from Egypt for you and I, the salvation of the Lord. Very specifically is for every person who has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We are to be a people that rejoice in the Lord because of our salvation. If you're here today and you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, your life might stink on this side of eternity, but we rejoice in what we look forward to on the other side of eternity. And we don't sing because our circumstances are great. We sing because our salvation is settled through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. He is the God of our salvation. Solid ground on which we stand is the sacrifice of Christ on the cross and that any who will come to him, he promises to not reject and anyone who will call on his name, he promises to save them and to give them eternal life. 22 years ago, I was in a little office in 514 West 8th Street in Amarillo, Texas. I remember kneeling down at a black chair And I promised the Lord that I would come to San Diego and surrender to his will and plant Canyon Ridge Baptist Church. And I made him this promise that no matter what would happen in a service, we would always preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
We would never forget or forsake or ignore the gospel. And from that first Sunday until today, there's not been a single Sunday when the good news of Jesus Christ hasn't been declared. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ has been declared. The reality that you're a sinner, you need a savior, and only Jesus can save you has been preached week after week, month after month, year after year, for 20 years. Not a Sunday has gone by without that message being told. I remember one time we had a preacher come and I told him, I said, listen, make sure that you preach the gospel. You don't have to give a long dissertation, but make sure you share the gospel. And he preached a great message, but he got a little nervous and he forgot to preach the gospel. I was sitting right over here on the front row and I was waiting for him to preach the gospel and waiting for him to share the gospel, waiting for him to share the gospel. And he talked about a lot of things, but the one thing he never talked about was the gospel and how you could be saved and how you could know for sure that if you died, your sins would be forgiven. And he got done with the message and I came up here a little faster than normal and I kind of boxed him out. I don't think he was done in his opinion, but he was done in mine. You say, well, who wins there? I'm the pastor. And I was trying to be as nice as I possibly could. And, and he walked off and, and uh, had a good spirit, no doubt about that for sure. And, and uh, I got up here and I shared the gospel. You say, what'd you say? This is what I said. I said, dear friend, you might be here today and you might not know for sure that if you died tonight that heaven can be your home. If you're here and you're not 100% sure that heaven can be your home, I want you to understand according to the Bible that you're a sinner. And because of your sin, you'll be eternally separated from God in a place called hell. But Jesus loves you so much that God sent him from heaven to earth to die for your sin. And if you will recognize and repent of the fact that you're a sinner, that means don't take pleasure in your sin, but be remorseful for your sin. If you'll turn from your sin and receive Jesus Christ alone as your savior, he promises to give you eternal life. Why? Because I made a promise 22 years ago that Canyon Ridge Baptist Church would not let a week go by where the gospel was not clearly declared. Why? Because he is the rock of our salvation. The gospel is the heart of God. The gospel communicates the love of God. The gospel demonstrates the extent to the extent to which God will go to see people saved. The gospel changes your eternal destination. The gospel changes your outlook on life. The gospel changes your marriage. It will change your kids. It'll change your attitude. This is the power of the gospel. And it's a call to celebrate in verses, verse number one, the salvation of God. Look at verse number three, for the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength in the hills is his also. The sea is his and he made it and his hands formed the dry land. There's a call to celebrate the greatness of God. You know, we live in a world that celebrates self, don't we? Social media hasn't helped that out at all. I'm not a big social media fan. I'm not preaching against it. I'm making fun of it. Know the difference. I don't understand. I mean, there's people that they're like, they celebrate themselves because they went to a boba shop and they got a fruit drink with boba in it and they act like they just won the World Series. By the way, congratulations, Houston Astros. We knew you could beat the Phillies. I would have said the exact opposite had the Phillies won, by the way. I'm a fair weather baseball fan. 
I mean, people celebrate everything. Look at me, I'm so lucky I have a Starbucks coffee. Really? Look, look, and, and I get it, we're blessed, we're happy, about it, but we celebrate everything. Notice what the Bible says, for the Lord is a great God. He is unmatched in his greatness. The word great here is a word that emphasizes importance and size and significance of something or someone. And, and it's used to attribute importance, theological importance to the Lord and the significance of him. God's great act of redemption, great acts of redemption are emphasized. His wisdom is emphasized. His great acts of nature are emphasized. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows shows his handiwork. We had a clear, beautiful night last night in San Diego for a while. If you went outside and you saw the stars, we, we ought not get lost in the creation of the stars, but we ought to be reminded of the greatness of the creator. That's what he's talking about. And he's a great king above all gods. Now, mentioning gods or idols does not acknowledge their reality it's a statement of God's sovereignty and superiority over every force, real and imagined. Everything in creation, including the pagan things that are venerated as God, God made all of them and he is over every one of them. He's a king above all gods. People try to make their own gods. They they chop down a tree and they make a house out of the tree the Bible talks about. And then with the leftover wood, the leftover wood, they'll carve them out some image to fall down and worship that image. And God says, now that's not a real God and that God's not in the heavens, that's a creation of man. But even if you thought that that was a real God, I'm the God who made the tree and I made you. I am over everything. That's the greatness of our God. within less than a mile radius of our church building right here. There are temples to pagan gods. There are houses of worship to idols. Let me be totally clear. Our God's above every one of them. These false gods do not really exist in the realms of the heaven, but to the point they exist here on earth, God, Yahweh, Jehovah, God of the Bible, outshines them all. Pastor, what do you feel about those folks? I feel grave sorrow because if they don't turn to Jesus Christ, just like if you don't turn to Jesus Christ, they will spend eternity in hell. Well, but they're very sincere. Sincerity never saved anyone. Only Jesus can save your soul. Look at verse number four. In his hands are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. We celebrate the greatness of God, his unmatched greatness, and we see he alone has creative power. People talk all the time about creativity, creativity, creativity. Oh, he's a creative person. I know what they mean. But let me be very, very clear. The only one to ever create anything is God Almighty. He created it out of nothing. I've got a, quote, creative daughter. She takes things and creates things that 
really, I mean, it's beautiful. And some of you are beautiful in your, in your ability with graphics or crafts or building or whatever. And we use that word creative in, in a correct way that you take resources that are already there and you manipulate and use them in such a way that it draws uh, attraction to the eye. And that's a wonderful thing. But true creation is I'm starting with nothing and I create this. Here's how creative our God is. This world, he spoke it into existence. The Bible says, with the word of his mouth. He didn't raise a hand to do it. I can't kill a fly without getting frustrated. August, we came home from Hawaii. We were in, Debbie and I were in Hawaii for not long enough. And our house had a bunch of flies outside. I don't know what, what was going on with them, but we had a bunch of flies that were there. And, and so I went and bought some fly traps, not the old kind, the new kind, the new and improved ones. And they're really cool. I mean, those things caught a lot of flies. And I thought that'll solve our problem. It didn't solve our problem. Flies kept getting in the house. So I got frustrated. So I go, I went where every man on the planet goes for frustration, Amazon. And I bought me three fly swatters because I was going to kill them with both hands. And I bought the fly swatters in and I'm trying to kill them with both hands. And man, I was taking them out and I was on vacation. So I was keeping record. I would notch my bedpost every night with the number of flies that I had killed. And I was notching them and notching them. I was killing flies and killing. Man, I was frustrated just killing a fly. I'm chasing them around. I'm knocking over glass. I, I, we had to buy a new stove by the time I got done with the thing. I mean, that's, and, and, and here's the deal. I've tried to destroy and it took effort. God created the world with the word of his mouth. If you don't think that's powerful, go home to the flies that are in your house and say, leave. Get out of here. They're not going to listen to you. Word of his mouth. Our verse says this. This is such a wonderful thing. Verse number four. In his hands are the deep places of the earth. In his hand. The Mariana Trench or Marianas Trench is located in the Western Pacific Ocean, 200 kilometers, 124 miles east of the Mariana Islands, close to Guam, to help those of you that, are, uh, that might know that region. It's considered the deepest ocean trench on earth. It's a crescent-shaped measure right there, 1,580 miles in length, 43 miles wide, at its maximum known depth, we're not sure, but the maximum known depth is 10,984 plus 25 meters or 36,037 feet or 6.825 miles. At the southern end, there's a small slot-shaped valley and its floor is known as the Challenger Deep. 36,000 feet deep. To put it in perspective, if Mount Everest were placed into the Mariana Trench at that Challenger Deep Point, the peak of Mount Everest would be underwater by 1.2 miles. He holds it in the palm of his hand. <laughs> Think of that. You say, well, they're just saying, yeah, no, yeah, I know God doesn't have a hand. He, he's anthropomorphically saying this is of no significance to him at all. We used to sing the song, he's got the whole world in his hand. He's got the whole world in his hand. He's got the whole world in his hand. He's got the whole wide world in his hand. That's our God. That's how great he is. 
That's how massive he is. And then there's a call in verse 6 and 7. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice. There's a call to worship the God we celebrate today. A call to worship the God we celebrate. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. The word worship means to prostrate oneself. The word prostrate means to lay down or to crouch or to fall down or to humbly beseech, to do reverence. The primary meaning of the word is bowing down. The verb is used to indicate bowing before a monarch or a superior by paying homage to him. And the idea of the concept of worship is not the songs that we sing, but the life that we bring. It's not really even our position, it's our disposition. Lord, whatever you'd have for me, that's what I'm gonna do. God, this is your will for my life. I'm gonna find it and I'm gonna find joy. When we moved to San Diego, I had absolutely no concept of how many people would move from here. Growing up, I had moved, my family moved, my dad was a pastor and, and we moved around a lot. As I said the other night when I introduced my dad, he pastored seven churches, started four. In the totality of my life, I've moved 36 or 37 times. That's a lot of moving. We moved a lot and this is what I told the Lord and I'd moved five or six of those moves with my dad and I told the Lord when we come to San Diego and I prayed and I said, Lord, would you just let us stay in San Diego? I just wanna stick and I wanna stay and I wanna live there for my life and I don't want my kids feeling like they have to move every couple of years and so Lord, if you'd allow us to, I would appreciate the fact that we could just stay. If you choose different, submit it to you, it's your will, but I would, I would love it if you'd allow us to stay in San Diego, California. I'll never forget that, never forget that prayer. Prayed it many times. I, I thought that he would allow us to stay here, I didn't think that he would allow thousands of people to leave. I mean, I'm watching those videos. I didn't do the video. John did the video and, and he let me see it. And I'm just thinking like, oh, I remember leading that guy to Christ. Oh, I remember that guy's name. I'd forgotten about him. Oh, that family. I remember, oh, I know where they're at. Oh, them, oh, them, oh, them. Nobody that's still here. Even Bernie, our music worship pastor, he's a completely different person. He morphed into two. Did you see him? He's a half burn. I mean, if you just saw him first day, he came fresh out of the Naval Academy. It's July or whenever it is. I don't know when he got here sometime. And he shows up in Naval Academy New Balance, corduroy pants, a striped sweater with a collar on under, underneath it. It was like Revenge of the Nerds had just walked into Canyon Ridge. I don't know why we didn't put these pictures of John Scheifus up there, but I, that's because, because he did the video. 
And these guys have been here. A few of you have been here that long. I never imagined the number of folks who would, who would move away, who would leave. And yet I understand this one fundamental reality, that there is a call to worship the God we celebrate, that the God that we celebrate continues to bring person after person and faithful person after faithful person. And God is doing a work and we are called to worship. We are called to worship whether we live in San Diego or whether we live in St. Louis. San Diego is better. But whether we live in St. Louis, we're called to worship whether all our friends stay or whether all our friends go, the goodness of God is not found in our circumstances, but it is found in our Savior. One of my favorite verses God's really been working on my heart with as I've thought about the 20th anniversary is 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Just give thanks. Just give thanks. He's worthy of our worship. We celebrate the goodness of God. Why do we celebrate him? We celebrate him because he's the rock of our salvation. We celebrate him because he is the creator of all that is amazing. We even celebrate him today because we can see in a tangible way his faithfulness to his people through the ministry of Canyon Ridge Baptist Church. So for time, let me conclude this way. If you're here today and you're not sure that if you died, heaven would be your home, I want to say this unequivocally. He wants to save your soul. Will you let him in? That gnawing that you have, like, come on, come to me, come to me, come to me, come to me, come. Submit. Some of you right now are going, I don't do it. I don't want to do it. I'll do it when I get home. I'll do it when I get home. I'll do it later. I'll do it later. I'll do it later. I'll do it later. Would you listen to what I'm about to say? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. I'll get saved, but I'll do it next week. I'll get saved, but I'll do it next month. I'll get saved, but I'll do it next year. You say, Pastor, are you trying to manipulate me? Absolutely not. Wouldn't want to do that. And I can't really manipulate you into belief to begin with. Would never want to do that. But I do want you to understand that today is the day of salvation. And if God is drawing you, surrender to him today. Come to Jesus today. You're not here by accident. This church isn't here by accident. This message isn't being preached by accident. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying God is orchestrating it all. Come to Christ today. And if you're a believer here today, maybe you're at a good point in your life. You're like, I got a lot to praise him for. It's great, pastor. Awesome. But maybe things aren't great for you today. Maybe our celebration is a little bit like salt in the eye for you because things in your life aren't going great. In this world, we have tribulation, don't we? We just have difficult things. You have yours, I have mine. We have them. Some are big. I won't talk about any of them. Some are small. Er but we still face difficulties. Yesterday morning, my daughter Judith called me six o'clock Hawaii time. Dad, I'm supposed to be on that 820 flight. I locked my passport in my car. I kept my extra key in my car. I said, sweetheart, hold on. Say, say that, I know it's early there. Say that again. Yeah, my extra key's in the car. How many of you have daughters? Can I get an amen? 
little help. Babe, why would you put your extra key in the car? You only need it if you get locked out of the car. You'd want your extra key in the house or with a friend or under the doghouse or somewhere, but in the car. Now, I didn't say all that. I'm just thinking all that. And I was a good dad. I gave myself an A+. And I do parent counseling and teaching all the time, so I was good. I said, babe, we'll work through this. We'll work through it. Break the window. I'm kidding. So what we did is we changed her flight. She's supposed to be in at five, got in at 945. First time I saw her was this morning because she locked her spare key in the car. That kind of bothered me. Not in a bad way. I wasn't mad or anything. I just wanted to see her. Just wanted to see her. And then Debbie calls me. She has to go to a store down in Mission Valley and she's coming back and it's taking her a while and I'm like what in the world is going on so I she calls me and she goes hey the car's making a real funny noise and I thought oh no you're driving it she said I'm going to go the back roads to get home and so she did and she pulled up and I went outside and I went outside with Pastor Tanel and he got outside and as I go outside he goes you put the hood up didn't you he goes you have no idea what you're looking at I said well actually I do know what I'm looking at I'm looking at an engine. <laughs> and he's like, well, you don't know what you're looking for. And I'm like, I know exactly what I'm looking for. Well, an engine that works, so shut your mouth. And he's like a brother to me, so we're allowed to be honest. I, Natalie was out there. I said, would you start the car? And Debbie says, it's making this like, like rattly, knocky sound. And I was like, oh. Huh. Huh. Hopefully there's a soda can in it. We took the cover off, told Nellie to start it. Nellie starts it. I hear that. If you've never heard it, you don't know what I'm talking about, but it's that click, 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 click. I'm like, oh, and it doesn't have a carburetor, so it's not a sticky lifter. I'm like, Nellie, why don't you give it a little gas? And when she did, that famous blown rod sound of clack, 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 clack. Like, what were you doing in a Hyundai, dragging it? I mean, holy cow. She goes, what does that mean? <laughs> that means that you're taking the, the, the metro. That's what that means. Take the bus. That means that we got a, we got a little circumstance. But it doesn't keep me from worshiping the God we celebrate. Because I don't worship because the Hyundai's working. I worship because the Savior's working. God bless Father bless our time in the Word. Thank you for listening. Hear more messages today at CanyonRidgeBaptist.com. If you're in the San Diego area, please join us for a service. We meet on Sundays at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific Time.